Can you hear me okay? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <coughs> فإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة دلالة وكل دلالة في النار. Okay, the last lesson that we had on uh, this commentary upon Surah Al-Fatiha, uh, we looked at how the Surah contains uh, uh, the three actions of the heart which is love, or which are love, fear and hope. And that these three are contained within the first three verses of the surah. And the last lesson specifically we looked at Muhabba and the Shaykh, uh, Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, he explained that uh, this Muhabba is of four types. And we looked at each of these four types and the Shaykh, Shaykh Salih Fazan, he you know, commented and explained each, each of these types. So from them was the muhabba, the muhabba or the love, which is uh, shirkiyya, that which entails shirk. And the second was the muhabba, which is loving falsehood, loving falsehood and hating the truth. And this was a characteristic of the munafikin or the hypocrites. The first is a characteristic of the mushrikeen. The second is a characteristic of the munafiqeen. The third one is a muhabba tabi'iyya, which is a natural type of love. And the Shaykh said that this is like when a person loves wealth, loves his, his offspring, and things like this. And he said this is permissible so long as it does not busy a person away from obedience to Allah and doesn't aid him in falling into that which is haram. <coughs> Otherwise, <coughs> it is permissible. And the fourth Muhabba, which is loving the people of Tawheed and hating the people of Shirk, and this is the, the strongest handhold of Iman. And we, the Sheikh Salil Fuzan he commented upon each of these, and that's why we finished uh, the last lesson. So, to continue, uh, Sheikh Al Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab he then says, he then says that the second verse. But the second verse contains hope. It contains hope. And this second verse is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. The second verse in Surah Al-Fatiha is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. So the Shaykh says here, Shaykh Salih Al-Fuzan, he says that within this ayah is Ar-Raja, hope, meaning a hope for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because since Allah has named himself here with Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim, that he's one who is Rahman, one who is full of mercy, overflowing with mercy, and Ar-Rahim, the one who shows mercy to his servants, then since Allah is described with his names, then a person, you know, his, his mercy is to be hoped, hoped for, is to be hoped, hoped for. And hence, 
this ayah therefore indicates Raja, hope. Then Shaykh Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab said after this, Wal ayat thalitha, the third ayah, fiha al khawf. The third ayah contains khawf, fear. What is the third ayah? The third ayah is Maliki Yomidin. As Sheikh Salil Fuzan now comments, he says that the third ayah is the saying of Allah the Most High, Maliki Yomidin. So here, this ayah, in which Allah says that He is the master of the Day of Judgment, then this contains a uh, takhweef, meaning it, it, it contains uh, basically causing people to fear, to fear this day. Why? Because uh, this day is the day when people will be convicted by way of their evil actions. The evil actions will convict them, meaning make them guilty. And hence, this is something that should be feared. This ayah therefore contains fear. So the first ayah, so we, have, we now have three verses. The first, first verse, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, that contained mahabba. It indicated love. The second ayah indicated Ar-Raja, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, hoping for the mercy of Allah. And the third ayah, the third verse contains Khawf, fear from the punishment of Allah. And this is Malik Yawmiddin. So these three affairs, these three affairs, at the beginning of this surah, in the first three verses, that when these three affairs or these three actions come together, then they constitute the foundation of worship. So these three things in the heart, they form the foundation of worship. And as for the person who takes just one of them, meaning he worships Allah just with one of these, then he is astray. He's a person who will be astray. So whoever worshipped Allah with mahabba, with love only, right? So he has love in his heart, but he doesn't fear Allah and he doesn't, he doesn't fear Allah's punishment. Nor does he have hope in Allah's mercy. This person is astray. This person is astray. Uh, and this way is the way of the Sufis. This is the way of the Sufis. These people who say that we don't worship Allah. We don't worship Allah just because of the fear of His fire. And nor do we worship Him because of the hope in His mercy. Or ha- having hope for His paradise. But rather we only worship Him because we love Him. And that's the only basis of our, of our ibadah. This is misguidance and refuges from Allah. Why? Because the messengers and the angels are the most superior of the creation. And yet, they, we find that they fear Allah and they place hope in Allah, the angels and the messengers. As Allah says in this ayah, إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ وَيَدْعُونَ نَا رَغَبًا وَرَحَبًا وَكَانُوا لَنَا خَاشِئِينَ Talking about the messengers. That verily, they used to rush toward, or they used to race towards good deeds, and they used to call upon us, رَغَبًا وَرَحَبًا Meaning, they used to call upon, call upon us out of, uh, you know, uh, like, mean like aspiration, and basically with love and hope. You know, aspiring, and with, with uh, sorry, with aspiration, which is hope, and with fear. Fear and hope. They used to call upon us out of fear and hope. And they used to be humble to us. They used to have, they used to, they used to be humble to us. Suratul Anbiya, Surah number 21, verse 90. 
So the messengers therefore, they used to fear Allah, they used to fear Him and they used to place hope in Him. And likewise Allah says concerning the angels, He says, uh, sorry, this is in reference not to the angels, but this is in reference to, uh, or as occurs in the books of Tafsir, that this is in refer- reference to Uzair, Al Uzair, who the Jews used to worship, and Isa, Alayhi Salam, and his mother, Alayhi Salam. So Uzair, Isa, and uh, Isa ibn Maryam, and Maryam, Alayhi Salam. And these were worshipped, all of them were worshipped by the Mushrikun. They themselves are just merely servants. They're just servants of Allah. And they themselves, as occurs in this verse, the verse, the meaning of this verse is, that those upon whom they call, themselves seek a means of nearness to Allah, to see which of them is closer. And they hope in His mercy, and they fear His punishment. They hope in His mercy, and they fear His punishment. So therefore, the servants of Allah... The hope in Allah's mercy and the fear of punishment. So, how can they themselves be worshipped alongside Allah? If they themselves have fear of Allah and they hope in Allah, they have this the khawf and they have this raja, how can they themselves be made an object of worship alongside Allah? So this is the person who worships Allah out of love only. He's astray, he's misguided. And we see that even the angels and even the messengers, you know, they used to fear Allah and they used to place hope in Allah. Then the shaykh says, whoever worshipped Allah with hope only, whoever worshipped Allah with hope only, then he is from amongst the murji'ah. He is from amongst the murji'ah, those people who expel actions from iman. Those people who expel actions upon out of iman, and they just merely hope, they just merely depend upon hope. Right? So they don't fear, they don't fear from sins and disobedience and all they have is hope in the hearts hope for forgiveness and they say that Iman, faith is just something which involves the affirmation of the heart or they might say that faith is just something which is an affirmation of the heart and speech with a tongue right? so you believe in your heart and you express this belief upon your tongue and that is faith that is what faith is and they say that the actions the actions are just things which are kind of uh, perfect a person's iman. It's not essential for iman, but it adds perfection to a person's iman. But it doesn't actions don't come into the you know the root or the foundation of iman. Rather actions, when you do actions, it just adds perfection to your iman, to your faith. And the Shaykh says this is misguidance. This is misguidance and refuges from Allah. Why? Because action, because iman, faith, consists of three things: belief, speech, and action. Belief, speech, and action, and one of them isn't sufficient. One of these things on its own is not sufficient. Two of these things on its on, on their own are not sufficient. Rather, it's vital that all all of them are, you know, are present. So, speech alone is not accepted. Action alone is not accepted. Belief is not accepted. Rather, these three things are required so that Iman is fulfilled. It's, it's actualized. As for the third, the one who worships Allah out of khawf, fear only, 
the one who worships Allah out of fear only, then this person is upon the way of the khawarij. This person is upon the way of the khawarij. Those who worship Allah only out of fear. They worship Allah only out of fear. So what they do is that they look at the um, they look at in the Quran and they only take the texts in which there is a threat of punishment. And they leave the texts which contain promise, you know, a promise and forgiveness and mercy. So they go to the text in which there, which there are threats, you know, threats of certain actions, threats for sins, threats for disobedience. And they just adhere to these texts. So to them, when a person falls into a sin, he has now fallen under a threat, and so therefore he cannot be forgiven. Right? So, they worship, so these, this is the way of the people who worship Allah out of fear only. That they only look at the threats which Allah, Allah has made. Which Allah has made. And they don't look at the promises and the forgiveness and the reward and the mercy. Those verses which contain Allah's mercy. So therefore we find that people who worship Allah out of love alone, or fear alone, or hope alone, then they represent three sects from amongst the sects of, you know, the, the, which appeared. And they are the Sufiya, the Sufis who worship out, Allah out of love alone. And they are similar to the, you know, the Christians in that regard. Those Christians who just worship Allah out of, mahab, out of love alone. And they worship Him blindly. And then we have the Murji'ah, those who, worship Allah, those who worship Allah out of hope only. So all they have is just, they just hope that they will be forgiven. They don't fear Allah, they don't refrain from disobedience, they don't you know, act, they don't fulfill their obligations. So they just think that their belief in the heart and their statement on the tongue in itself will save them. And the other murji'ah, who just depend upon hope. And the khawarij, the third group who worship Allah out of fear only, who have an exaggeration in this fear. As for the people of the truth, as the as the as the way as for the way of the truth, then it is one which combines between all of these affairs. One which combines between love and fear and hope. And this is what is Iman. This is Iman. This is faith. And this is the path of the believers. And this is Tawheed. This is also Tawheed. Singling out Allah with all forms of worship. Okay now this discussion that we've had this discussion that we've had of love, fear and hope, then these three verses, these three verses, you know, bring all of these issues together. Like these issues that we've discussed in this lesson so far and in the previous lesson. These three verses, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Ar Rahman Rahim, Malik Yumidin, it brings together all of these all of these issues. Love, fear and hope. Okay, next. Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab He then went on to the next part of the, of the surah in which, which, which is now the fourth verse In which we say Then he continues Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab And he says meaning That I worship you O my Lord With whatever has already preceded Of these three things أي أعبدك يا رب بما مدى بهذه الثلاث بمحبتك ورجائك وخوفك. meaning so when we say إياك نعبد what 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 are we saying 
Shaykh Islam says, meaning, I worship you, O my Lord, with what has just preceded. Meaning, these three things. With loving you, and with placing hope in you, and with fearing you. Right, so, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, indication of Mahabba. Ar-Rahman rahim indication of uh, Raja. Malik Yomidin, indication of Khawf. Then we say, Iyaka Na'bud. You alone do I worship. But meaning, but meaning what? You alone do I worship with these three things which have just been mentioned or which have been indicated with Mahabba, with Khawf, and with Raja. So commenting upon this, Sheikh Salih Fuzan, he just uh, basically, he just says, meaning that we worship you with these three, Al-Mahabba, Al-Khawf, and Al-Raja. Why? Because worship cannot be fulfilled Worship cannot be actualized or fulfilled except with these three, except with these three together. Then Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab continues and he says, These three things are the pillars of worship. These three affairs are the pillars of worship, love, fear and hope. And whoever directs them to other than Allah, or to direct them to other than Allah, is shirk. To direct them to other than Allah is shirk. And Shaykh Al-Islam and, and Shaykh Salih Al-Fuzan, he comments upon, he comments upon this and he says, that therefore this means that anyone who uh, loves other than Allah, with a love that's only due to Allah, then he's a mushrik. And whoever hopes in other than Allah, whoever hopes in something which only Allah can give, then... He is a mushrik. And whoever fears something, fear or fears something of someone other than Allah, in that in which only Allah has power over, then he is a he is a mushrik. And then Shaykh Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab says, وَفِي هَذِهِ الثَّلَاثِ الرَّدُّ عَلَى مَنْ تَأَلَّكَ بِوَاحِدٍ مِنْهُنَّ كَمَنْ تَأَلَّكَ بِالْمَحَبَّةِ وَحْدَهَا that in these three verses is a refutation of whoever attached himself to just one of these things, such as the one who atta- is attached to love only. So therefore, those who are attached to love only, we know that this is in reference to the Sufiya. And then he says, Or the one who attached himself to just hope alone. And we know that they are the murji'a. أو تألك بالخوف وحده or the one who attached himself to fear only and we know that these are the khawarij and you know those people who took those who only took the texts which contain a, a mention of Allah's, Allah's threat after this uh, the Shaykh Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Hab says that whoever directs فمن صرف منها شيئا لغير الله فهو مشرك so therefore anyone who directs any of these things to other than Allah, then he is a mushrik. Then he continues, and he says, uh, he just repeats the same point, وَفِيهَا مِنَ الْفَوَائِدِ أَرَدُّ عَلَى الطَّوَائِفِ أَثَلَاثِ That also from the benefits it contains, is a refutation upon the three groupings, all of whom just take a single one, you know, a, a, a single, you know, single one of these three, such as the one who worshipped Allah out of mahabba only, or the one who worshipped Allah out of fear only, like the murji'a, or the one who worshipped Allah 
out of fear only like the Khawarij. So he just emphasizes that same point that's been that's been made before. Okay, now he moves on to the second half of this verse. Right? So we've discussed Iyakanabud. Iyakanabud means that you alone to be worship, O Lord, with what has already preceded of the three things, love fear and hope. Then Allah says, so this verse as a whole, this verse as a whole, it is or it contains Tawheed al-Uluhiyya, Tawheed al-Ibadah, Tawheed al-Uluhiyya and Tawheed al-Rububiyya. It contains two things. This verse as a whole contains two things, two types of Tawheed. The Tawheed of Uluhiyya and the Tawheed of Rububiyya. Okay, first of all, when we say Iyakanabud, you alone do we worship, this is an indication of Tawheed al Rububiyyah. Uh, sorry, Tawheed al Uluhiyyah. Meaning the Tawheed with which Allah is singled out in worship. And Allah's right to be worshipped alone. Iyakanabud. And wa Iyakanasta'een, from you alone do we seek aid. This is Tawheed al Rububiyyah. This is Tawheed al Rububiyyah because we're seeking. We are seeking aid from Allah due to His Lordship. Okay, so concerning Iyakarabud, Sheikh Salih al Fuzan, he then comments upon this and he says that here this contains Tawheed al Uluhiyya, which means to single out Allah, to single out Allah. Uh, with the actions of the servants which Allah has legislated for them. It is to single out Allah with those actions that Allah has legislated upon us, those actions of worship. To single out Allah with that. Because uluhiyya, the meaning of uluhiyya is al ibadah. And al ibadah, ibadah itself, is from our actions. The ibadah is nothing but the actions which the servants perform. So therefore, it means. To single out Allah with our actions. Those actions which Allah has legislated upon us, which constitute worship. And وَإِيَّاكَنَسْتَعِينَ And Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, he says, this contains Tawheed al-Rububiyya. Why? Because to give aid, al-I'ana, to give aid and to give this support and help, this is from the actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first half, na'bud, is from the actions of the servants which is ibadah, and so therefore this is Tawheed al-Uluhiyya. And the second half of the verse, وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Then that is from the actions of Allah, because Allah is the one who gives, who gives aid, who gives help and support. So this is from the actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is Tawheed al-Rububiyya, which is to single out, what is Tawheed al-Rububiyya? It is to single out Allah with His actions. Meaning Allah is unique and singled out with the actions of creating and providing, and giving life, and taking life, and sustaining, and, and so on and so forth. Right? So we single out Allah with these, with these actions. So this is the fourth verse. Containing a mention of the two types of Tawheed, and also indicating that we worship Allah with what is already preceded in the first three verses of love, fear, and hope. Then Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab, he then brought the next ayah, al-Mustaqim, guide us to the straight path, and he says, Fiha al-Raddu al-Mubtadi'een. Fiha al-Raddu al-Mubtadi'een. That this ayah 
is a refutation of the innovators. This verse is a refutation of the innovators. Concerning this, Sheikh uh, Islam, Sheikh Salih Al Fozan says, sirat." So the first part of this verse, sirat." Guide us. Guide us to the path. So the first part of this verse, Ihdina Sirat, guide us to the path. Then the Shaykh says that guidance is of two types. Guidance, when we look at guidance itself, guidance is of two types. First of all, Hidayah, the, the, the guidance of showing or indicating. The guidance of Dilala and Irshad. This is the first type of guidance. And the second type of guidance is the guidance of Tawfiq and Tasdeed. Okay, so what does this mean? The first type of guidance, so Al-Hidayah is of two types. The first type is the guidance of just showing and indicating. What this means is, for example, the Messenger Ali Wasalam, he comes and he shows us what is the path. He shows us what is Tawheed. He shows us what is, what is the Sunnah. So, the path itself has been made clear to us. Right? We've been directed and shown the right way. That's the first type of guidance. The second type of guidance is the guidance of tawfiq and tasdeed, meaning the guidance of, you know, success. And this guidance is from Allah. This is in the hands of Allah, meaning that a person is, even though he knows the path, he's actually guided to the path in his actions, in his beliefs, in his statements, and, and so on and so forth. Right, so just because a person might know the path, it doesn't mean that he's guided. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's automatically guided. So guidance is of two types. The first guidance, the guidance of irshad and dilala, meaning that the guidance of being shown what the path is. Right, so a person might know tawheed, he might know Islam, he might know the sunnah, he might know the truth in 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 in, in these affairs, but that doesn't mean that he's actually upon that path. He just knows it. So this means that this person has now received the first type of guidance. He's received the first type of guidance. As for the second type of guidance, that's, that's in Allah's hands. He, Allah, is, is the one who guides whom He wills, and He misguides whom He wills. And this is the guidance of tawfiq. And this is something only granted by Allah. And this means that a person is actually guided in his beliefs, in his statements, in his actions, to worshipping Allah alone, and to worshipping Allah upon the way of the sunnah, and to being upon the truth in in, in, in all the affairs, this is a guidance of, of you know the the uh, guidance of Allah, and it's the guidance of Tawfiq. Another way to look at it, as the Sheikh explains here, is that the first type of guidance, the guidance of Irshad, which is the guidance of being shown, being shown the truth, this is common, and this is something which has occurred to all of the creation. This is common between all of the creation, between the believers, between the disbelievers, and the mushrikeen. Why? Because Allah, Allah has already indicated to them, has already shown them the path of truth. All of them know the path of truth, the path of truth, by way of the revelation, by way of the Qur'an, by way of the messenger, by way of sending of the messengers. They all know that. However, we find that these kuffar, they didn't accept the truth, didn't act upon it, they weren't guided to it. Even though they knew it, 
even though they'd received one, you know, one type of guidance, they hadn't received the second type of guidance from, from Allah. And they didn't accept the truth. And this is why Allah says here that the Shaykh brings an ayah, وَأَمَّا ثَمُودُ فَهَدَيْنَاهُمْ فَاسْتَحَبُّ الْعَمَى عَلَى الْحُدَى As for Thamud, then we guided them, we showed them the, the guidance. But they loved blindness over guidance. They loved ba- uh, blindness over guidance. Surah Fussilat, Surah number 41, verse 17. So meaning that we, gui- that we guided the meaning that we explained to them. And we explained to them. Explained to them. So Allah, Allah has indeed guided the whole of creation with this first type of guidance. The guidance of being shown what is the path. Being shown what is the truth. And as for the second type, the Shaykh says, Al-Nawuthani, the second type of guidance, then this is the guidance of being granted success, meaning Allah granting you success, and uh, you accepting the truth, then this is something that is unique only to the believers. This type of guidance is unique only to the believers. So therefore, in this ayah, when we ask Allah, when we say, then we are asking Allah for both types of guidance. We are asking Allah for both types of guidance. That when we make this dua, we're asking Allah to show us what is the right way. Why? Because as Ibn Al-Qayyim explains, that if we take each person one by one, each person will vary to the de- degree to which he knows the path. You know, each person, each and every person, each and each and every Muslim will know the path to different levels, which shows that every Muslim is always in need of guidance and being shown the path. You know, being 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 taught more from Islam, from the Sunnah, and, and so on and so forth. And the second type of actually being guided to acting upon that. So the believer he asks Allah for both types of guidance. Then Al Mustaqim. Sheikh Salih al-Fuzan says, meaning that which is, you know, uh, straight, the path which is straight, meaning, um, yeah, again, like, meaning straight, as opposed to the path of misguidance, because that path of misguidance is crooked and bent and deviated and, you know, swerved and so on and so forth, and it basically causes the one who, go upon, to, who goes upon it to be to wait, to be wasted. As for the path of Allah, then that path is straight and clear and manifest. And the person who remains upon it, then he will you know, quickly go to towards paradise. And then the Shaykh brings the verse, وَأَنَّ سِرَاتِ مُسْتَقِيمًا well-known verse. Verily, this is my straight path, so follow it. And do not follow the other paths, lest they separate you away from his path. So, therefore, in this, in this, in this ayah, sirat al-mustaqim, then we are asking Allah that he guides us to this path. This, this path which leads to Allah and which is straight and which guides to paradise. This is Surah, surah Al-An'am, Surah number six, uh, 6, verse 153. Then, after this, uh, Sheikh Salih al-Fawzan, uh, Sheikh, Sheikh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, he says, as for the last two verses, as for the last two verses, 
then within them are many benefits. The last two verses contain many benefits. They contain a mention of the state of the people, the various states that people can be in. Allah has divided them, Allah the Most High has divided them into three groups. He's divided them into three groups. So he says that these three groups are Mun'amun alayhi Mun'amun alayhi The first group is the one upon whom Allah upon whom there is Allah's favor one who has been blessed one who has been favored The second category of people is the one upon whom is Allah's anger and the third type of uh, person here is the one who is astray So the last two verses Sirat al-Ladina and Amta alayhim Ghayr al-Magdubi alayhim Allah has divided the people in these two verses into three types one upon whom is his favor one upon whom is his anger and one who is astray so the Shaykh comments he says that the people are, you know, for, for the, all the people fall into one of these three either he is one whom Allah has favored Either one, he's one upon whom is Allah's anger, or he's one who's astray. How do they fall into these categories? The Sheikh explains. The one upon whom is Allah's favor is the one who acquired knowledge and they acted upon it. So they acquired knowledge and they acted upon it. As for the ones who are astray, as for the ones, sorry, as for the ones who upon whom is anger, then they are the ones who acquired knowledge and they abandoned act- acting upon it. So they acquired knowledge, but they abandoned acting upon it. And those who are, are astray are the ones who took to acting, so they acted, begin to act, but they abandoned knowledge, they didn't acquire knowledge. So these three types of people are categorized according to their position with respect to knowledge and action. So we are asking here, so again look in this ayah, look in this passage, how we are asking Allah that He makes us from amongst those who Allah has favored. Meaning, that He makes us from amongst those who acquire the knowledge and who act upon the knowledge. And we are asking Allah also in this, in this passage, that He takes us away from the path of those upon whom is His anger and the path of those who are astray. So look at this connection between all of these affairs. We say, Ihdana Sirat al-Mustaqeem, we're asking Allah to guide us to the straight path. Then we explain what this path is. Sirat al-Ladina and Amta alayhim, the path of those upon whom you have bestowed your favor, meaning those who acquire knowledge and who act upon it. And then we ask Allah to save us from the two other paths. Sirat al-Ladina and Amta alayhim, Ghir al-Maqdubi alayhim, meaning the path of those upon whom is Allah's anger, those who acquired knowledge but didn't act upon it, waladdalim. And those who took to acting but without knowledge. So the Sheikh says uh, that you know we are asking therefore that Allah makes us, makes us from those upon whom is Allah's favor, and that He takes us away from the paths of those who are upon whom there is anger, and those who are astray. And that this surah is a mighty surah. You know this surah, in light of all of this, like these meanings that it contains, these du'as that it contains, this surah is a mighty surah. 
and for this reason Allah has made it obligatory Allah has made it obligatory uh, upon us in every single rakah in every single unit of the prayer why because of the fact that it contains these you know these secrets these great affairs then Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab explains that those upon whom is Allah's anger are those who are the people of knowledge who don't have action they have knowledge but they don't have action and the shay and ahlu ibadatin ma'aha ilm and that those who are astray are the people of worship who don't have knowledge with them and so the Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, he comments upon these two points and he says that the first group, al-Maghdubi alayhim, they are the Yahud. And whoever is upon their path from this Ummah. So initially this verse is referring to the Yahud, those who know the truth but don't act upon it. But it also includes those people from this Ummah who acquire the knowledge, who learn the knowledge but they don't act upon their knowledge. And the second group, Waddalun. Uh, those who are astray, that initially they are the Christians, and from this Ummah they are the Sufiya, Al Mubtadi'a, Al Mukharrifun, you know, the, the Sufis and the, you know, the deviants, those who, all of them who enter into this, you know, the, the astray people. Why? Because they busy themselves in worship, but they abandon knowledge and they act upon ignorance, they, they worship Allah upon ignorance. And they say, at the same time, they say that knowledge just busies you away from acting. In other words, knowledge is a waste of time to them, because knowledge it just occupies you away from acting. And then, the Shaykh, Shaykh, Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Habi says that even though the reason, or the, the sabab al-nuzul, that the, that the reason for revelation of these two verses are the Jews and the Christians, even though that this is the initial reason for revelation, then despite that, anyone or everyone who is described with these characteristics, then he falls under these verses. These verses also apply to anyone who is described with these characteristics. So initially, this is in reference to the Jews and the Christians, but anyone, even from this, from this nation, from this Muslim nation, who is described with these characteristics, meaning one who has knowledge but doesn't act, or the one who acts without knowledge, doesn't have knowledge, then he falls under the under the under these verses. Al Magdubi Al Ali Al Ali As the Shaykh then says uh, as the Shaykh Salih al Fuzani then says that Al Magdubi Alihim was for the Yahud, Wadalin was for the Christians, and so therefore that when we look at the meaning of this verse we look at, at the meaning, the general meaning, meaning that the words contain, right? We don't restrict it just to the reason why it was revealed. Even though that initially when, this, when these two verses were revealed, they were in respect to the Jews and the Christians. But we don't limit the meaning to the reason why it was revealed. Rather, it, its meaning is generally applicable based upon the meaning which is found in these words. And then the Shaykh finishes by bringing a statement from one of the Salaf, uh, and this statement, uh, uh, it's from Sufyan ibn Uyayna, I believe. And this statement is an explanation of this verse, of these, these verses. And in this, in this statement, uh, one of the Salaf said that whoever went corrupt from our scholars, 
then he has a resemblance to the Jews. He has something in him of resemblance to the Jews. And whoever went corrupt from our worshippers, then he has a resemblance to the Christians. Meaning that those that the, the, the scholar who goes astray, who you know, who goes corrupt, then he has a resemblance to the Jews. Why? Because he's a scholar who has knowledge, but he didn't act. And whoever went corrupt from the worshippers, then he has a resemblance to the Christians. Why? Because he resembled them in worshipping Allah out of ignorance. Worshipping, but not, not, but not turning to knowledge. So this is, this is uh, one of the benefits. And inshallah, we'll stop the lesson there. And I think the next ses- section, we'll, we'll, we'll finish off the... In fact, we'll finish off this book with the next lesson, inshallah. We'll finish this lesson here. Which person is better? Is it a worshipper or a person of knowledge? Person of knowledge? Person of knowledge. Yeah. As a person, um, there's many a hadith which speak about the virtues of, the, of, of knowledge, you know, like compared between the person who is like an alim, like the moon on a on a clear sky compared to the stars. You know, that's that's the, that's the, that's the example of the of the knowledgeable person. And there are many hadith which 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 are of this nature which explain the virtues of the alim of the worshipper. And one of the reasons is because the worshipper his benefit is only for himself. What is the benefit of the scholar is for Everybody, you know, besides him. So that worshipper, when he, that worshipper, when he, you know, plays the hajjud, when he does all these nawafil and so on and so forth, that that is only benefiting him, nobody else. But the alim, when he gives lessons, when he teaches the people how to worship Allah, when he encourages them, when he gives a khutbah, when he instills fear in them, when he instills hope in them, when he, and all these other things, when he encourages them to, you know, Perform the hundred and so on and so forth. Look at all that benefit. How how it's a multiple of the of the of the ibadah of just that one person. So therefore, the alim, his status is is much higher than 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 than, than the worshipper. Guidance, guidance of Tawfiq. Mm. Is it does Allah sort of set any sort of criteria as to who He chooses, or is it just a case of if you ask them? No, obviously Allah guides the one who who seeks to be guided. You know, those who want guidance, Allah will guide them. Those in whose hearts is 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 they don't want guidance, Allah will, Allah will misguide them. Allah only guides and misguides based upon a person's heart, based upon what's in a person's heart. You know, if a person seeks guidance, wants guidance. And he's sincere, Allah will guide him. If a person is not, you know, really after guidance, and in his heart there is a disease or something else, Allah will misguide that person. So yeah, we ask Allah, you know, we, we sincerely seek guidance, we ask, we make this dua, we ask Allah for guidance, and we don't fall into sins and things like that, which would cause us to be misguided. And then, you know, if we, if we do these things, Allah, Allah will guide us, inshallah. With regards to that verse, Lord, Allah misguides, no one can guide. Yeah. When Allah misguides, is that because He misguides because He knows that they're happy with this? Or yeah, 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 yeah. 
Allah's, gui- Allah, Allah's guiding and misguiding is based upon His wisdom and His justice. It's not like arbitrary like guidance or misguidance of a like person. Who picks and just says, "Oh, I'll misguide him." And huh? It's not like no, it's not, no, it's like that. It's from Allah's knowledge and His wisdom, and it's based upon a person's actions and his heart. You know, if his heart is wholesome and clean and pure, and he wants to be guidance, he seeks guidance, and he, you know, ask Allah. So, for Allah, Allah, inshallah, will guide that person. But some people have a perversion in their hearts. They don't really sincerely want guidance. They have something else which motivates them. You know, they have they have aspirations towards the dunya. They have to, whatever other things. You know, Allah just lets them go in that path. So the based upon guidance. Huh? So they're happy with misguidance. That's why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because because that's what they've chosen in the heart. In the heart, that's what they want. Really. Sometimes you know we we, we might not see people. We might see outwardly people. We might be religious and and. and Whatever, but inside the heart is somewhere else. We don't know that. Allah misguide them. Could it be due to a sin that person's committed? Yeah, it could be sin. Could be them, you know, not really wanting the truth, not really wanting to learn the truth. You know, like a person might spend years and years and years upon ignorance, not learning anything. And then, you know, next thing you know, he becomes like a Sufi or an Ashari or whatever. This happens with Salafis as well. Those or those people who are upon Salafia. You know, they spend years and years and years, but they don't not, they don't act, learn it. They don't act upon what they learn. They don't implement what they learn. And over time, what happens is they become. You know, like look at Abu, Abu Ali now. He's like a Sufi. Abu Ali, a Sufi, born in London. He's upon Sufism, yeah. And look at Abu Munsir. You know, what's he upon? Anything and everything. You know, he's got Sufis. He's got coming to his conference. He's got all sorts. Wrecked, totally wrecked. So just because you know what is Salafiyya, you know, maybe these people sought something else, they were after something else, we don't know what that is. But it just shows that two things, if you don't learn the knowledge and you don't act and implement it in your behaviour, like especially with these people, they didn't, they didn't implement the Salafi manhaj, the method, issues of methodology and who they keep company with and you know cooperation with these groups and things like that. They didn't keep that pure, they didn't implement this, this, this knowledge or maybe they didn't acquire it in the first place. And that shows you know, they're, they're prone to misguidance. It's justified that Allah should misguide them. Thank <laughs> you.